This is Terry O'Donnell with Crown, Crown Behind once again. Uh, another week of News Digest and all. I got a whole real big mix of stories for you here this week, and I I want to apologize up front that I'm a day late and a dollar short. I had some network problems yesterday, and that was working late into the night. So ha you have to understand, this is a one-man show. So I do not have a sound engineer. I don't have an IT tech. Well, I am the IT tech, all right? So that means that anything happens, anything breaks, I means I got to fix it. And that's basically what happened. I was up till 10 o'clock last night working on internet stuff. So having said that, this is why the show is a day late today. So back to the stuff at hand. Um, as always, I'm going to advertise up front, get it out of the way. I don't have any sponsors for this show, so there won't be any commercial breaks uh, other than this one right here up front. And then once I get it out of the way, then we're done. Then, now we, then we can get into the fun stuff. So as always, I'm going to advertise my website at https colon forward slash forward slash 527.websitex5.me, then title Crown, Crown Beha, and you can find it. It's open. It's not, not anything special, but it does give you access to my Substack and Medium articles, any books that I'm writing, have written, so on and so forth. So with that said... I'm commercials over with. So let's do this. I got a mixed bag of everything going back a whole week. Now some of this stuff is already old news. Everybody knows all about what happened at the Tennessee legislature. It's been in the news and it's almost done with because they let the two the two people they fired, they let them back in again here since this story broke. So I'm not going to really get into it too much. So there's a couple of guys by the name of Krasenstein Brothers, and they run a Substack page, basically, and they do podcasts, written articles, all kinds of stuff, new letters, and the one they wrote up here a while back, probably about Thursday or Friday last week, Tennessee, racism, January 6th, comparisons, and GOP overreach. A turning point in America? Well, that's the big question. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff going on right now. And everybody's kind of wondering what's going on. And I'm wondering what's going on. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff that's changed. And uh, I'm going to go through some of this stuff with you and update you on changes, sort of, kind of, as much as I know about them anyway. And here, this one is, this, like I said, this was from Substack. This, our next article actually comes from Northern Ireland. Again, I talked a little bit about the Northern Ireland peace deal last week, and there's still a lot of issues going on. And I've got this article here from CBC Canada from last late last week. Shadows of the Troubles Linger 25 Years After Northern Ireland's Peace Deal. And this was in the Associated Press. Some who lived through the conflict still grapple with how to address pain of the past. And basically what, what it means is there's still a lot of people alive over there in Northern Ireland who grew up during the Troubles. I'm old enough to remember the Troubles even though I wasn't there, but I was sort of kind of a little bit involved with it on my side of the ocean uh, back in the early 80s. Got my head handed to me, learned my lesson, and didn't do it again. But big thing about that now is that these people are reliving the trauma because they're having a 25-year anniversary. President Joe Biden is over there doing his little deal this week and flying home tonight, I guess. But the big thing is 
he was in the news because he's going over there to talk to people, uh, make nice, visit his ancestral homeland, all kinds of good stuff. Which, to me, is is all right, because I want to do that someday. But at the same point, there's a lot of folks who haven't gotten over it. And there, I've got another article at the end here uh, about Arlene Foster. Well, actually, you know what? Let me roll right down to that, because this came out in today's name. Come out in today's news. Today's news, Arlene Foster wrong to say Joe Biden hates UK, says Irish Deputy PM. Mikhail Martin says remarks by former DUP leader during U.S. president visit misplaced. And what that means is Arlene Foster, she's a right-wing DUP member, and she hates the Sinn Féin, and she hates the IRA, she hates everything, and they, you know she's part of the group that... They want to isolate themselves. They want to be U.K. citizens, English citizens, so on and so forth. They don't really consider themselves Irish, other than the fact that they live there. Uh, and I'm not going to belabor that point. I mean, that's that's just silly. You live in a place, wherever you live, that's who you are. I mean, I live in America, so I'm an American. I'm a United States citizen, end of discussion. Now, if I lived in Canada, I'd be Canadian. Well, you live in Northern Ireland, you're Northern Irish. You're not English. Okay? As much as you want to be, you're not. And trust me, them folks over there across the, the Irish Sea, they really don't want you to be English. But I know, you, you don't want to admit that to yourself. All right, so that's, that's all that's going on pretty much in Northern Ireland this week. So I'm going to roll back up here and pick up where we left off. So then I got some stuff here on global warming. There was an article last weekend... And it's in CBC Canada, and it's entitled Global Warming is Juicing Home Runs in Major League Baseball, Dartmouth Study Founts. So basically what they're finding out is that with global warming and the, and the global temperatures raising, so if you hit a home run, it goes a lot farther now. All about thermodynamics and all kinds of scientific stuff, which I won't bore you with. But the idea is if you're in a, if you're in a baseball stadium, and it doesn't really matter if you're the Toronto Blue Jays, or if you're the Atlanta Braves, the warmer the temperature is when you hit that ball, the farther it's going to go. And that's proven to be a really big deal with the stats for the Major League Baseball players. And they're all kind of documenting this at this point and uh, trying to figure out how that's going to work out for the future. So baseball fans, if you're a, I mean, I'm not, but if you're a big baseball fan, you know, maybe that's good news for you. More home run hitters hitting them out of the park. And then here's another climate change article from Al Jazeera, but it's about Canada. It says Canadian Arctic Snow School hopes to boost climate fight. And I, this is one of those feel-good articles that I put in here because, like I said, I want to mix things up. I don't want to always give you doom and gloom. I'll, I want to kind of give you some good stuff and bad stuff and maybe a little in between. This is one of those climate change feel-good. So it's entitled you know, Canadian Arctic Snow School hopes to boost. So researchers hope first ever Arctic Snow School in Nunavut, Canada, will bolster cooperation understanding of a changing region. Basically what they're doing is they're taking a bunch of students of all kinds, whether they're Inuit or, you know, Canadian white people, darker skin, doesn't really matter. They're just grooving them all together, taking them up there to the snow school, and they're teaching them all about the environment up there in, in Snowland. You know, up in the Northeast Territory and other places that's way up north. I mean, I've been to northern Quebec in the wintertime. It gets pretty cold and snowy up there. I mean, you're right close to the Arctic Circle, Arctic Circle up there. So that's a good thing. 
So here's another good one. This is about schools, which kind of a segue out that Canadian school thing. This one's about Americans. This was in Al Jazeera. It says, how teachers and librarians are subverting book bans in the U.S. Books on race and gender identity are the subject of a record number of book bans in the United States, which we all know. This has been going on for a while since Ron DeSantis started the wall and all that stuff is going downhill with all the red states. How organizations across the country, most especially in DeSantis' land, are getting around the book bans. And this article talks about how, stu- how teachers are going outside the classroom to get books to students. Basically what it amounts to is they're using their own personal time and some charity organizations, nonprofits, what have you, um, are running around and they are buying books you out of donations and things like that. Some of them are just buying them out of their own pocket. But they're running around and they're running to kids' homes and they're delivering them to their doorstep. So there's nothing in Florida law yet that says the kids can't read the books. The law that they have down there in the books right now says they just can't read them in school. So if they read them at home, fine. You know, so far the law's letting them do that. So that's how they're getting around it. I think that's good news. I mean, I applaud the teachers and these nonprofit organizations that have figured out a way to work around because I'm telling you what, book banning and all kinds of stuff, it just leads to really bad stuff down the road. Kids need to get a proper education. And the best way to do it is with books. Okay, that's just how how life is should be. And if you take these books away, what do you get? Well, you get kids who can't read, you get kids who can't do math, so on and so forth. But then they get out of school and the wide world gets them and they don't know what they don't know how to function. And that's 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 the bad thing. So I'm gonna give you some more bad news here. This one is a story from Al Jazeera. Why are migrant children working dangerous jobs in the US? I've talked about this numerous times, numerous times the last few weeks, over how here in the United States, certain red states are rolling back laws for age limits and things like that for kids who want to go to work. And you know, the big thing is they're ex- mostly they're exploiting migrant children coming across the border. And most of these children are coming across alone. Their parents shoved them across the border, said, go, do things, send us some money when you make money, so on and so forth. Um, but the problem is these kids are getting killed at work. So two or three weeks ago, I, I talked about a story at a Wisconsin dairy farm where a man's son got killed. And it was an accident, but a kid shouldn't have been there in the first place. But now the biggest issue is we have kids that are going to these meatpacking plants especially in places like Arkansas, and they're working night shifts, cleaning up after all all of day shifts, cutting meat and everything else. And they're getting hurt and getting into toxic chemicals, all kinds of stuff. And companies have been fined for it. And I was reading an article this morning in the news how this one kid blew the whistle saying that even though the company he was working for got fined for hiring him and others like him, they're still working there. So apparently the meatpacking plants have decided to roll the cost of the fines into their price of doing business and are still hiring these kids and hurting them and, and maybe killing a few of them. And, you know, that's, that to me, we're rolling back 100 years of, of taking care of children. You know, and it doesn't really matter whose children they are. It doesn't matter if they're migrant children. It doesn't matter if they're illegal children. Children are no children. It doesn't matter where they come from. You should not be hurting children. You should not be exploiting children. You know, that's, 
I'm probably going to hear more about that. And when I do find some more stuff, I'll, you know, different than this one. I mean, I pounded this one to death here about Americans and their, you know, their corporate standards here and stuff like that. But still, it's it's a big deal. And here's here's an article from halfway around the world. And this article I picked up a few days ago. But the problem is the problem. This issue hasn't gone away. So China sends warships and aircraft around Taiwan for a second day. And basically what, Ta- what the Chinese Navy's done is they've encircled Taiwan doing what they call military drills. And they're doing is a mock drill of how to invade Taiwan. And basically taking their Navy, encircling the whole island, and doing drills with their amphibious Navy on how they're going to invade the island. Scaring, you know, they're scaring everybody in Taiwan, obviously. Uh, and got the attention of the world. So sometime after this story came out, the Americans ran one of their ships down through there, and of course the Chinese objected to it and made all kinds of big fuss. And now they're still they're still doing it, as far as I know. So let's segue back to the United States here, Supreme Court. So last week I told you guys about Supreme Court Clarence Court Justice Clarence Thomas getting busted for taking all this money from this rich guy. So the news article I picked up was he defends his luxury trips. Well, he's been doing that for three or four days now. Defending his lack of disclosure, so to speak. And apparently he's made a habit of this because I was was reading something else here yesterday. About 1987, he got caught doing this, got his finger slapped. And now he's been, you know, basically ignoring his ethics and and violating ethics. So it's going to be interesting how that works out because he actually fired a Supreme Court justice way back when for doing just exactly. I think they said it was in 1968, 1969, some news article. But they actually fired a guy for doing exactly what Justice Thomas is doing. So I'm going to wonder, are we going to fire this guy now? For, you know, basically he's taking bribes underneath the table. I don't care. It That's it, black and white. For 20 years, he's been taking money underneath the table with all these luxury gifts without disclosing them. And that's that's serious business, especially for the federal Supreme Court. So here's another. You know, I'm going to bounce all over the world with you guys tonight. So here's another article about China. This is a case that came out last year. Last year, Chinese government found a woman who had been chained up with a neck around her chain. She had been put in a hovel out behind this house and... She was mentally handicapped severely after all of her abuse. So the story broke is she apparently got kidnapped at age 14 up in the hinterlands of China. And her parents sold her some tra- to some traffickers. So she got passed around, finally ended up with this guy, and he just kept impregnating her until probably she couldn't have any more kids anymore. And when she wasn't, wasn't useful anymore, he chained her up in this back house. Well, they caught her. And they, you know, they put her in an institution, tried to take care of her and all kinds of stuff. Well, the story is um, that they finally put six of these people in jail over all of this. Finally. They say that slavery's, you know, slavery's illegal. Yeah, not so much. You go out in the rural areas of the world, any country in the world right now, in the rural areas, and the United States is no exception, sex trafficking is just modern day slavery. This kids working for nothing at uh, 
you know, migrant kids working at the meatpacking plants. It's slavery, modern day slavery. I don't care what you call it. It's exactly what it is. So it's going on. It's going on everywhere. It's just that they give it different names, make it softer around the edges to make it seem like it. it's not so harmful. But I'm sorry. You know, it is what it is. And then I got another climate change article here in the United States. Green groups sued to stop Ohio from leasing state parks for oil and gas. New law condemned as illegitimate giveaway to the oil and gas industry requires state parks to be leased to interested parties. So basically, in the state of Ohio, you can they ha, they're required to lease out state park land for oil drilling. New law would require fossil fuel corporations to drill in Ohio State Parks, and they are touting methane as a green energy source. That's the big thing right there, okay? I cry bullshit on that, all right? They're saying that methane is not harmful. Yeah, I beg to differ, okay? And it's they're saying it's being contested for illegal violation of the Ohio State Constitution. Well, the bottom line is, no matter how you do it, you're drilling for oil, you're creating methane. Bottom line. And no, it is not good for the environment. It's very bad for the environment. Okay? Everybody can tell you that. But, you know, it's their story and they're sticking to it. So finally, I got another piece of good news for you. Star Wars announces three new films on the way with Daisy Ridley to return as Rey. Lucasfilm has announced three new live-action films and confirmed the return of Ridley's Rey to build a new Jedi Order. All right, well, so my oldest son is a huge Star Wars fan, so I'm sure that this is really good news for him. He's watched every movie. He's got all kinds of Star Wars toys going back when he was a kid. He does all of everything you can think of, um, and my granddaughter is, you know, involved in that a little bit. But the big thing about it is he's a big fan. But they're going to come out with three new movies. So, yeah, when they come out, I'll, I'm not going to go to a movie theater. You won't catch me in a movie theater these days. But eventually, though, they'll make it over to streaming or Blu-ray or what have you. And when they do, then I'll bring it home and I'll watch it. So that'll be a, that'll be a good thing. All right, here we go. More bad news. Will the red state mega global warming tornadoes change Republican minds? So as we all know, here in middle America, they had a whole bunch of tornadoes right through a bunch of states and tore up a bunch of stuff a couple weeks ago. And what they're talking about here is that all these tornadoes are caused by global warming. So they're hopefully the deadly disasters sweeping red states will wake up GLP voters, voters and motivate them to demand their politicians stop taking money from fossil fuel billionaires while lying to the voters. And that's basically what that amounts to is their fossil fuel corporations are afraid to lose a dime. And they're going to do everything they can to keep the money, oil money, flowing to their coffers at any expense. Now, this was put out by Tom Hartman on April 4th. And the big thing about this is the, he talks about how all the fossil fuel companies are doing everything they can, social media, commercials, you name it, to tell what they're doing is being good and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, red states, they're all about taking the money. Well, so here's the thing. Legislatures in the red states are taking all the money. We got a lot of federal legislatures that are taking a lot of oil money. But their states are getting ripped up due to geo, due to the global warming. You think the voters are going to wake up? Well, that's the question. Only one can only hope. 
So my next article deals with something that's been ongoing for a whole week. Now, I picked this up last weekend. Mifepristone, U.S. abortion pill in limbo after corporate rulings. So the big thing is we had, as we all know, we had two district, what they call them, district level judges. Casper Nick over in in, um, Amarillo, he's famous for all this kind of stuff. And he said, nope, it's going to be a national ban on this pill. And then this judge over in Seattle said, yep, yeah, nope, sorry, I'm blocking you. So now it's, going to the, now it's going to the Supreme Court as of today. And they have put a pause on anything. And they're reviewing it. And it's going to be interesting to see how that all turns out. Now, this article here is in come out of Axios by Ivana Sarek. How Tennessee GOP expelling two Democrats could have a ripple effect in other states. Now, what that means is if one state like Tennessee gets away with this, the other states, the other red states are definitely going to be taking notice and thinking, well, if they can do it, we're going to try and do it. And how many Democrats are going to get expelled from state legislatures for the slightest little bit of decorum or anything, ethics violation, you name it, and these GOP state legislatures are rampant with corruption and everything else. But what's good for the gander is not necessarily good for the goose or vice versa. Okay, so it's going to be interesting here down the road to see if any of these other folks, and I can name one state for sure that would do this, Idaho. Idaho would do this in a heartbeat. They think they can get away with it. So there might be Arkansas maybe too. You never know. Uh, they're having some some different discussions, I'm sure, behind back doors right now. Here's another article. The elusive promise of control is steering an even ever more radical UK migration policy. This is by Rob McNeil, and he published this in Euro News. What that basically means is that the UK's migration policies is all over the charts. They're doing everything they can to stem the tide. I'm going to reach out here because I didn't put this story in my list. But Italy right now has basically put on emergency breaks. They've got thousands and tens of thousands of migrants coming from Tunisia trying to cross the, cross over into the EU. And they're trying to do it through Italy. And they're overrunning Italy like crazy. Um, that's the they're they're in big trouble over there. They can't handle it, and they don't know what they're going to do. Meanwhile, England has had their big share of problems, and they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff over there. And the EU is saying, it's going to be watch and see, and see how they do all that. So yeah, that's a good article to kind of pick up if you're interested in, in what's going on over there with all the migrants. So here, we bounce back across the ocean again to Kansas. Kansas lawmakers passed third anti-transgender bill that bans gender-affirming care for youth. I'm not going to dwell on this a lot because a bunch of other states are getting on the bandwagon and doing the same thing. I've got a couple of articles here from other states I picked out. Likely to be vetoed by the Democratic governor, but it goes to show the trend in the U.S. regarding transgender care for minors and even adults. A lot of other states are following suit, and not all of them have Democratic governors. And that's the thing. Indiana and Idaho don't. So Indiana and Idaho enact bans on gender-affirming care for transgender youth. And here's from North Dakota. Eight bills targeting transgender rights in North Dakota on governor's desk. In North Dakota, Indiana, Ohio, 
they will be signed by the Republican governors. Transgender youths are going to be treated much like abortions in the United States. Basically, they're doing everything they can to take care of and control minor transgender use, male, female, anything in between. And they're saying, we're going to control you because you're minors. We like to, we, in a lot of states, are going to control the adults. We're saying, you can't do that in our state. You want to get it done, go somewhere else. And that's, that's a huge, I mean, it's going on not just here. Uganda did a really big thing a couple of weeks ago and outlawed this stuff under penalty of death. And UK is getting more restrictive with their laws. And I'm sure that there's probably some other countries that may be looking at all this and starting to kind of lean in that direction. But the United States right now, because they're supposedly more open, well, not so much. And then the Canadians are looking at this saying, yeah, we're going to start doing a little bit of this too. In East Texas, skepticism over private school tuition assistance persists despite push from conservative leaders. Governor Greg Abbott and other conservatives say families need options to escape woke education in public schools. East Texas parents and school leaders say the national talking points are off base. And this is by Pooja Salhotra, April 7th. And the big thing about it, it's, it's again... One of those deals where the GOP would like to have more private schools available for students. Because a lot of parents in these red states don't like what's being taught in the public school system. And they object to it mightily, constantly, and they would rather have private schools. So Christian groups are getting on board and saying, hey, we got a school over here. Somebody wants to pay for it so that we'll get more students and we'll take care of your problem. You want your kids raised in a Christian environment? We got it right here. Just get a school voucher and we'll be all set. Well, that's what Abbott's doing. DeSantis just signed a bill here yesterday saying that he's going to do it in his state. So in DeSantis land, you can go to any school you want to and the state government will pay for it. As long as there's school is available to give you what you want. And South Carolina students could go to any public school in the state under bill passed by the House. And that's the same thing. What they're saying is they can go to any public school. That's the difference. So in DeSantis land in Texas, which we call Abbott land if you want, I don't know. But the big thing about here in South Carolina is they didn't apply this to private schools. This only goes to public schools. But if for same reason you as a parent don't like the current public school that your child's going to because the teachers are bad, what have you, you can put in a petition to the school board and say, hey, I want, I want my child to go over to this school. As long as you're willing to transport your kid, you can take them anywhere in the state as long as that school has an opening for your kid. It's getting kind of wild in the red states as far as school goes. It's, the big thing is, and this is another thing that I'm seeing from educators across the country, is that as this, ta- as this picks up steam, more and more public schools are going to have to be closed due to lack of students. And then you're going to have a lot more private for-profit schools open up with the state governments paying for that. And you're going to have a whole lot of kids who are going to be indoctrinated into whatever the school is teaching. I mean, we all know Catholic schools have been around forever. And we all know that as students, you go to Catholic school, you're getting indoctrinated into the Christian faith as part of your education. We all know that. Well, a lot of Protestant Christian schools are doing the same thing and have been for years. 
So now they're going to basically try and open it up and let the state pay for it. Ooh, that's, that could get fun. And there's an article about Wisconsin, and it was a, a brief blip in the news about a week ago, how Wisconsin Republicans got so angry. And this is about their latest election they had for a, Supreme, a state Supreme Court justice. They, they elected, what do you call it, uh, a liberal, if you want to call it, uh, you know, Democrat. And, and the Republican who lost, oh, he's all over social media, slandering this woman every which way but loose, basically making a butthole out of himself in the news media. And the, what they're talking about here is they've lost four major statewide elections since 2018, for starters. The Supreme Court election exposed growing all of fighting They're fighting back against a rising tide of normalcy in politics with the recent Supreme Court justice by progressives. Maybe the pebbles of good sense are starting to roll down the mountain. Basically, I wrote that. But the big thing is, with liberals, progressives, what have you, getting elected to offices in certain states now, maybe this whole red tide they were talking about last fall is maybe starting to get purple, maybe even blue now. Well, that actually wouldn't be a bad thing. This is another thing about Texas. Vigilantes along the U.S.-Mexico border, Texas bills would shift border patrol to state hands. And that's a very, very dangerous thing. This is from Rick Jervis in USA Today. How Texas wants to run its own border protection units using state assets rather than federal. There is mention of armed vigilantes being allowed to operate under state authority. That opens up a lot of potential abuse for human rights and death and everything else. So can you imagine Texas, Arizona, maybe even Florida, with all of these, I don't know what you want to call them, okay? But all these guys, they'll be gun enthusiasts, if you want, ranchers, you name it, would be given authority to go down and basically do whatever happens in the desert to migrants. So there are going to be a lot of dead people from Central and South America laying in the desert over there because these folks, they will shoot and won't, they won't ask questions. It could get very bloody on the border. I don't know if that'll pass because I got a feeling the feds will have a say about that, but that sets a very dangerous precedent. And then here's another article. Now, of course, we all know what happened with the Pentagon and the social media and all this kind of stuff. And of course, they caught the kid yesterday, today, he went in front of a, they caught him yesterday, went in front of a court today. They're going to charge him with espionage. He's 21 years old, not mature enough to know any better. And apparently he plays a lot of games, so that makes him even less mature. And he thought it would be a really great deal to, you know, he had access to these documents. Now that's the big question is, he's 21 years old. He's likely only the Air Force equivalent of a private first class or maybe, you know, a specialist. And he has access to stuff that he shouldn't have. I mean, I, I read this uh, other news article this morning. This kid, all he is is a cable runner. All he does is hook up internet cables to devices. That's his MOS in the Air Force. And he's a reservist to boot. So how did he get access to these documents? Well, apparently he's got a top secret security clearance. But you'd think they would compartmentalize him somebody's going to pay for that one. There's going to be some heads on the platter for him having access to this stuff. I, I seriously doubt he should have had that. 
I really don't think he should have. You know, I had a security clearance, but I was, you know, I was a senior NCO, and all I had was a secret level. And, you know, I didn't really have access to really super important stuff. So question of the day is, how's this young kid having access to stuff and, and being allowed to take pictures and walk off with it and sticking it on a game server on Discord, of all things? All because he wanted to impress his buddies. Here, here's the thing. Defense officials warn of potential impact Tuberville holds on nominations for the military. And what this article talks about is Senator Tuberville, and I think he's from Louisiana. The big thing about this, you know what? I will verify that. We'll pull up this article. I think he's from, I think he's from, I think he's from, he's from down south. I know that. I think he's from Louisiana. Oh, Alabama. All right. I stand corrected. He's from Alabama. The big thing is he's sits on, he's the head of this committee that votes on whether generals get promoted or whether captains and colonels get promoted to, to flag general, you know, to generals. And generals get voted to get get pushed up to farther up the chain to be bigger generals. And he's holding that back because he's concerned about reproductive care for female soldiers. So basically what he wants is, he's another one of those Republicans who wants a total ban on abortion, period. And across the board, he don't care where, where. So what what's going on right now is that if a female soldier is on a base anywhere, in any state, in any country, and she gets pregnant and wants to have an abortion, she has the right to do that as long as she does it on post. Well, Tuberville is saying that's not right. If the post that this soldier is on is in a state that has an abortion ban, then that post needs to be subject to state laws. And the DOD is saying, no, we need to take care of our soldiers. And he's saying, no, you don't. You don't get to take care of your soldiers. We here in Congress get to take care of your soldiers. you got to do what we say. So there's a big fight going on over that right now. And I'm hoping I'm going to hear more about that because truthfully, that's going to have a huge effect on recruiting. So armed forces right here in the United States are having a hard time with recruiting as it is. You add this to the mix and female soldiers are going to be leaving like crazy. They won't stick around for any of this kind of stuff. No way. I wouldn't. I don't blame them. And they won't join up, that's for sure. I mean, anything can happen. There's, you know... Unfortunately, kids do silly stuff and they get drunk and party and women get pregnant, unfortunately, sometimes against their will, which is another story. But obviously, you want to have that option to make a choice. And Tuberville is saying, no, we're going to take that choice away from you. Just shoot these people. I'm sorry. Just take them out, shoot these senators and, and just hire new ones. All right. Here's another one. Just an old news He's talking about some kids that some teenagers got killed in Florida. He got on a wild rant about gun laws um, because the, you know three t- these teenagers got guns by burglarizing cars, and he went around and shot three other teenagers. And he's blaming easy gun availability, and I agree, guns are way too available in this country. It's not that you really you don't really need extra gun laws beyond what we got. They need to strengthen what they got and tighten them up. 
But by allowing the states to do what they want with these, a lot of this stuff has fallen apart. Like Tennessee, for example, Florida just passed theirs and probably a couple other states that I, I don't know about. But basically, you don't need any kind of a permit whatsoever. Walk into a store, walk out with a gun. You do sign up for the background check, but it takes a week for the background check to go through. But you've already got your gun. What you do with it in a week, well, you know, a lot of, a lot of bad things can happen. So like that guy in Louisville that went in that bank and shot those people up. He bought a gun, signed up, signed the paperwork. It's all legal. Same day, two days later, he walked into the bank shooting people, probably before his background check even cleared. And this is what's wrong with this. They need to make some sort of a federal deal so that everybody's on the same page on all 50 states. you got to wait a week to pick up your weapon. You want to buy one? No problem. But you got to get a background check done first. And you should have a mental health background done on you. If you've ever had any kind of issues in social media where you're publishing stuff on Twitter or Facebook or what have you and saying some really things that mean that you might not be mentally all there, then no, you, your background check should be denied and you can't get a gun. <laughs> End of discussion. But unfortunately, these states, they want everybody to have a gun. The idea is that if, if responsible people all have guns, we'll have less criminals. Not, I'm sorry, when you can just break into a car, pick up a gun off the front seat, that means the owner is irresponsible for leaving a gun in the front seat of your car in the first place. Of course, you know, people get their houses burglarized all the time as well. Um, but it, again, it comes down to availability. Guns are way too available out here. And I'm not talking about just on a black market. You can go down an alley and buy one from some guy out of the back of his car. That's a whole other thing. And then it was a story here about South America. El Salvador. Well, it's not really South America. I guess that's Central America. Meet MAGA movement's new favorite autocrat. It's, it's kind of almost funny. The American rights falling in love with El Salvador's, El Salvador's president, Navi Berkeley, over his crime crackdown. And he's also tearing down Salvadorian democracy. Why ultra-wing, right-wing enthusiasts are promoting this new dictator from El Salvador's harsh methods of crime control. The bigger issue is, why are these MAGA people so afraid of criminals? What are they truly afraid of? Is it this white replacement theory? I want to bet that it's got something to do with it. These people are so afraid of people with darker skin. Replacing them is the dominant political voting block in the United States. They're scared to death of that. And I, I wrote about this a couple of times last couple of years. I'll probably say something again sometime. But that's bottom, bottom line. They're deathly afraid of being replaced. And here's one that's it's kind of scary, and this applies to a lot of rural areas in the United States and Canada. Maternity units are closing across America, forcing expectant mothers to hit the road. And this is from Amanda Musa and John Bonifield in CNN. A new crisis brought on by for-profit hospitals and all of the new abortion laws across the country. Largely rural areas and some states in general are losing maternity units and doctors leaving a high infant and maternal mortality rate in their wake. This is one of the biggest reasons why the U.S. is one of the highest death rates in the civilized worlds for pregnant women. 
because we don't have maternity wards anymore. They're closing like left and right. Why? Because there's no money. Canada, they're closing left and right because there's not enough money to keep them open. And these for-profit hospitals, not that Canada really has a for-profit hospital system, but they don't have any money to keep them open either. So now, you know, you're pregnant, you got an issue, um, a midwife can't handle it, you're forced to drive several hundred miles in some cases. One of the one of the examples they listed in his article, they closed it down so she had to drive a couple hundred miles when she had a problem. And this one lady was scared to death. I mean, she got way too many kids, but she's notorious for dropping early. She's worried about having having a kid on the way to the hospital. And, you know, truthfully, I don't blame her. Um, but that's it's becoming a big thing. Child, here's another article leads right into this. Child mortality in the U.S. should be going down, but it's rising. Here's why. We have the ability to prevent these deaths, but so far we have failed to do so by Marie Holmes, and this is in HuffPost. Child mortality rates in the U.S. are higher than ever, higher than pretty much anywhere else in the civilized world, mostly due to access to guns. Homicides and suicides lead to pack. Then there are the dangerous work conditions for child laborers among the migrant populations. How is it that the U.S., with the most modern medical facilities and safety laws, has the highest mortality rate rivaling certain third world countries like Ethiopia and the war-torn countries in the Middle East? Well, there's the question to ask yourself here, American citizens. Why are our children dying at a high, as high of a rate as some place like Syria in Ethiopia and Sudan and other places? We are a first-tier country. What's going on here? So enough about childs. I love children to death, but I'm I'm kind of leading down the road here with this stuff. So I'm going to change gears. This is from this article. So about a week ago, 60 Minutes did an interview, Leslie Stahl, with Marjorie Taylor Greene, the most famous House of Representatives from Georgia anybody knows. So far-right pro-Trump congressman Congresswoman uses appearance on flagship current affairs show to defend calling Democrats pedophiles. I will only mention this as an I told you so moment, as I said last week. It's fairly well known that CBS has been having some credibility issues for a little while now. This is one of the reasons why. And exactly that. So what we discerned is that probably some producer high above Leslie Stahl's pay grade decided to give her a microphone and let her do whatever she wanted to do without saying anything. Don't get in her face. Don't rile her up. Don't do anything. Just let her have let her have a mouthpiece and let her go. Well, guess what? They paid for that. She went on there and just trashed things. Said a bunch of outlandish things. And 60 Minutes has now taken a lot of heat for it. I can't, I can't imagine why. I mean, I stopped watching them years ago because they were really falling down on themselves. And here's another example. How the parental rights movement resurged in response to trans inclusivity in classrooms, social sharing from Jenna Benchatrit from CBC News. While parental rights have become a top issue for U.S. Republicans, a similar movement is growing in Canada. Story from April 8, how the Canadians are starting to mirror their southern neighbors 
over parental rights in the schools, rejecting trans and LGBTQ plus children and their parents' rights to take care of their own. It is small now, but predictions are there will be a big thing in Canada within the next 10 years. And I couldn't agree more. The, the Midwestern and Western provinces in Canada are starting to mirror their southern, their southern cousins. And the schools there, especially the rural schools, you can bet you they're probably going to start outing all these trans and, and gay kids and all kinds of stuff. They're going to be just like the Americans. I'm sorry to say. And I always thought Canada, I always held Canada to a higher pedestal. Americans have always been trashy and always held Canadians to a higher higher standard. But I'm thinking those standards aren't going to be there anymore. Canada's infant mortality rate is on the rise. Canada's country has fallen from the top 10 developed nations to near the bottom of the ranking. A clear sign that health care and support for new mothers is slipping. Well, that goes, this is in CBC. And this is what I was telling you a few minutes ago here. And it's, it's a theme, okay? In North America, health care for kids, health care for pregnant mothers is really falling down through the cracks. It's getting bad. And back to that article I talked to you earlier about with Texas doing her wanting to do their own state funder border patrol and DeSantis proposes a new civilian military force in Florida that he would control. Basically, this would be his state-run, state-paid-for version of his personal National Guard. Well, National Guard, personal State Guard. Only bidding to him whatever he want. So, if this isn't scary, given his reputation, I don't know what is. Can anyone say Waffen SS or Gestapo? And that's exactly what they would turn that into. DeSantis land strikes again. Going to create his own uh, internal um, security police army, whatever you want to call it. And here's some more about transgender stuff here. This is in ENA Company. This is from Umar Haik. And he published this in Medium.com. Welcome to the GOP's fastest dystopia. Checking kids' genitals, banning birth control. The GOP's fully authoritarian now, and it's going to get worse. This article by Umar Haig is a spot on. We are on the edge of the cliff and off balance, teetering on the fall. It will only get worse in the coming weeks ahead. If left unchecked, democracy may well be a thing of the past by 2024. And that's a very real thing. If certain couple of people get elected to the White House in 2024, it's going to be game over for democracy in the United States. It's a sad thing to say, but it's probably close to the truth. So I got another article from Tom Hartman, The Hidden History of Guns in the Second Amendment, Chapters 1 and 3. These are excerpts from his book. Tom Hartman's book on the history of guns and how far back it goes in in the American continental history. It's a good read. I highly recommend it, and I will post the link to it on the Substack page for this podcast. After more than a century, Vancouver's bloody anti-Asian riot still resonates. Another article from CBC Canada, and it's kind of like an anniversary for when Vancouver 100 years ago had bloody riots. Thankfully, nobody got killed, but a lot of people got hurt when a bunch of white people decided that they were going to take out their frustrations on the Asian community in Vancouver back then, and it was pretty ugly. And they're kind of 
recognizing that anniversary up there. But the problem, the only reason I mention that is because it's not necessarily against Asians here, although there are a lot, a lot of uptick incidents here in North America. I say that both Canada and the United States have a lot more incidences, at least recently in a few years, uh, over anti-Asian rhetoric and violence and things like that. And they're talking about this anniversary because of all of that. Media companies slam proposed reforms to Australian privacy law. And the big thing about this is that Australia is getting, wants to enact a new privacy law um, that would stop suit lawsuits here uh, for medium, suing media companies for slander and privacy issues. And they're all, or obviously the media is all about that. This was published in The Guardian, and The Guardian is one of the ones that's protested. Figure, go figure. Uh, you know, I love The Guardian. I think they write a lot of good stuff. Uh, but at the same time, privacy concerns, I think, are a big deal around the world. The fact that Australia is kind of getting ahead of it a little bit, I think is a good thing. You know, no matter how much I like The Guardian, they still should toe the line. And here's an, here's an opinion piece that I picked up. This is from this is from Mansoor Adafi, writer, artist, activist, and former Guantanamo Bay prisoner. This is published in Al Jazeera. Now, this is not something that you would pick up probably in an in a, an American newspaper, because one, he's not from the United States, and Al Jazeera is not an, an American newspaper. But it says Americans beware what belies the, behind the smile. Of Ron DeSantis. I met the Florida governor years ago at Guantanamo. What he talks about is when he was a prisoner there, Ron DeSantis was a military JAG, Judge Advocate General, lawyer basically. And he, when when this particular gentleman, Mansur Adafi, got tortured in Guantanamo Bay, yeah, I'm using that word, tortured, because they were tortured, although it never made it in the news. Very much, anyway. At least not in this country, anyway. But overseas, it made the news all over the place, over there in the Middle East. But, anyway, the point is, while he was being tortured in the courtyard, Ron DeSantis was on the other side of the fence smiling about it. He was laughing. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, for somebody who was saying you were going to take care of these people, and then you're laughing because this guy's getting tortured in the courtyard, yeah, well, guess what? He's smiling and got something behind his back as governor of Florida as well. So, you know, he's, he hasn't changed. And here's another article from overseas. Philippines won't allow U.S. to use bases for offensive actions. What's going on is the new president, Ferdinand Marcos Jr., says military bases accessible to the U.S. cannot be used in any offensive action. In other words, we can use them as storage points, kind of like what we're doing with Kuwait. But we're not allowed to conduct any offensive actions against the Chinese, for example, out of any of their bases. All we can do is store things there. We can use this stuff, but we can't we can't set up any regiments, soldiers, set up any navy offensive action, none of that kind of stuff. And I gotta wonder what DOD is thinking about that. I mean, they used Kuwait as a staging point and ran off into Iraq, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, over 20 years ago, and they'd do it again in a heartbeat. But Philippines is saying, no, we'll let you put stuff here, but you can't do anything else. 
And here's an article about Dr. Sorge's. It kind of goes along with all that stuff about um, kids and maternity and all that. Dr. Shortage's distressed rural America where few residency programs. And this basically talks about doctors in general. It's more about family doctors and the lack thereof. In the rural parts of the United States right now, hospitals are closing due to lack of money. Doctors are disappearing due to lack of money. And these rural clinics are basically have no doctors or not enough to take care of people. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. Probably will just stay, stay getting worse at this point. So what's America going to become? Our healthcare system is going to degrade dramatically. Well, it's already degraded. Okay, it's already there. But it's going to just continually to get worse. And typically, this is all in the red states. So you got to wonder how the red states are going to fare with no healthcare system in place. All the voters in there, think about it. You got no health care. Where's my legislatures? How come they're not helping me? Here's another article from the GOP. And this is not something I touched on last week. GOP embraces a new foreign policy. Bomb Mexico to stop fentanyl. This was in Politico. Republicans suggest everything from terrorist labels to an invasion to decimate drug cartels in Mexico. If a GOP president comes to power in 2024, you can bet that we will probably get permission from a GOP-run Congress to invade Mexico over our fear of the cartels. Just wait for it. Think about it. 2025, summer of 2025, we could be invading Mexico. Here's something here of another overseas article I picked up. As elections near, Turkey weaponizes the law to suppress peach. Turkish President Ed Erdogan is using a disinformation law passed in October to jail and intimidate critics. What that really means, and this is from Frankie Vetch in Coda Story. And what this means is that the the president of Turkey, or the, the prime minister over there, um, he's the president, I'm sorry, he's basically using this law they passed to jail journalists over anything they say and, and anything negative to him and in any way so he can stay in power. The reason for that is because apparently there's a couple of up-and-comers over there that are challenging him for the presidency. And they're getting a lot of recognition. And um, they're, you know, so there's a good possibility he's going to turn into a dictator and start jailing everybody. You wait for it. The problem is if he starts doing that, and he's going to have all kinds of problems for his NATO uh, membership and a lot of other things. If he closes Incirlik, that'll be a huge... I mean, he's, he pro- he threatened to do that before, and it caused all kinds of problems in the Pentagon. And he could actually do it if he gets, you know, gets becomes a di- dictator. Hounded by baseless voter fraud allegations, an entire county's election staff quits in Virginia. I brought this up. It's It's... It's sort of kind of a local article, but it's not because it was an NBC News. But basically, if it can happen here in Virginia, it can happen anywhere in GOP-controlled counties across the country. And that's the only reason I brought this up. So what happened here is that all of these MAGA Trumpists over this one county in Virginia didn't like the election officers there and their politics. So they did everything they can to push them out, got them fired. And they want to vote in their own people so they can control the elections. Well, that's kind of scary. So if you have Trumpists in there, 
who want to control the elections in that county, they could throw out any votes that don't go for Trump. I mean, they really could. They could throw them out. Now, is that legal? No. But if they're running the county voting system, they could probably get away with it. Maybe. Problem is, if they get away with it, then a lot of other counties in the red states are going to take a look at that and say, well, if they can do it, we can do it. Then I picked up, this is another overseas article here. This is completely not, it's political in a way, uh, but it's more about greed. Six secrets uncovered by Al Jazeera's gold mafia investigation. Obviously, this came from Al Jazeera News. How gold smuggling has become so big, governments are in on the take, and all are raking in the millions selling stolen gold with Dubai right in the middle acting as brokers. So what they're talking about here is apparently the South African president and maybe another country next door, they're taking all this gold that's being mined and they're stealing it, basically, and they're melting it down, remelting it, resmelting it, sending the gold bars up to Dubai, selling them on the market up there. And when they test these things, well, they're not testing as stolen gold because they've been refined so much and they're getting away with it. And these people are making millions over this. Now, they caught a couple of people here recently, the Gupta brothers, and they're, putting, they're going to put them in jail. But the problem is it's rampant down there and all this gold is being sold on kind of a, a backdoor market in Dubai. That's now. Trust me, I I, I picked this out simply because I've been to the gold souks in Dubai way back when I was in Desert Storm, and it was pretty fabulous. I mean, I've got some pictures of it, and I'm thinking, well, if that's that, if that's the gold market of the world, that's a big deal. And last but not least, the message is clear: symbolic consumer violence and the right wing culture war capitalism relies on performative principles and the marketing of violence. And this is from Jared Yates Sexton. He published this in Substack, and I picked it up this morning. And he's talking about how we, we are starting to commercialize by violence here in the United States. So it's a competition, basically. And it has nothing to do with the sale of guns. It's all about marketing. So the news medias are marketing these stories, and they're blowing them up, blowing them up way out of proportion in some cases because sensationalist news sells. And if it sells, it's making them money. And it's one of the things I've mentioned before. In news media these days, especially here in the United States, they depend on advertising revenue. They depend on people giving them money. And writing stories just for the sake of writing stories doesn't fly anymore because they're not selling paper newspapers. Everything is going on the Internet. Well, it's, it's hard to... You can sell news articles... They're called subscriptions. But a lot of people don't want to pay for that. And if you did everything by subscription, they wouldn't sell much. So they have to throw this stuff out here for free. And because they do that, they've got to make money somehow. Well, they do it by advertising. And so by advertising, they're, they're competing and blowing up stuff and so on and so forth. So that's the last story I have here for this week. And I want to give you a little bit here on the end. I'm going to be back next week. I'm going to hopefully get everything caught up so I'll be on time with the podcast. It won't be late. I apologize once again. But meanwhile, pass this on to your friends. If you pick this up, and it can be picked up, I pulled up my iTunes application, 
and I found this podcast in it, and I was able to mount it on my iTunes platform, so you could do the same thing. Just look up Cran Biha Podcast in your iTunes store, and you'll find it, and you can load it, and you can listen to this on your mobile device if you so choose to do so. So, big thing about this is, if you like all of this, and the way I'm presenting it, although I'm a bit dry, I'm, I'm going to get better, then pass it on to your friends. Share it. I don't have a problem with that. Share it as much as you want to. All right? So I'm going to leave you with that. With that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go. I have a nice weekend, and I'll see you guys next week.